Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're brushing up with D2C icon and friend Josh Snow from Snow Oral Care. Josh has been relentlessly growing snow across all dimensions since last time we spoke, expanding his product lines to include electric toothbrushes, toothpaste, as well as a line of toothpaste for children, and even dental insurance. This brilliant podcast shines with deep insights on the exact tactics Snow's using to make this Q4 the biggest bundling year ever, why Try Before You Buy is working incredibly well, and how it's allowing Snow to put their money where their mouth is, literally. We're going to talk about whitelisting dark posting and how to create an interference pattern with your influencer marketing rather than one wave. And then we go deep on what Josh would do differently if he were building snow again today. The answers might surprise you. Hope you enjoy. On with the show. I was talking to someone who had worked with Louis Vuitton and I was asking about counterfeits and I was like, you know, how do you stop it? And like, what do you do? And didn't expect this answer. It was like, there's a certain level of warming up the sale. Someone who buys a counterfeit Louis Vuitton purse knows that it's a counterfeit Louis Vuitton purse. It's kind of like they got to try if they get enough compliments with the bag, then it's like, okay, I'll buy the real thing because I want to have the real thing. They're currently clearly not Louis Vuitton customers, but they want to be. So with Snow, we've gone to a point where the product is really good. We sell millions of those a year. So we said, you know what? This is our best product. Why don't we give it out for free? Because if it's that good, they're going to come back for more. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the email and text marketing platform that puts D2C brands in control. If you're the leader of a D2C brand, you need a platform that hustles as hard as you do. Clavio unlocks the power of your e-commerce data so you can personalize and automate messages that keep customers coming back. D2C brands communicate with Clavio. Get started for free at clavio.com slash DTC. Josh, welcome to the D2C podcast. It's been a minute. Can you update our listeners on some of the innovative things that you're doing at Snow for Q4 on the customer acquisition side of things? Yeah, so we we had a meeting uh, in regards to our strategy, um, especially for new customer acquisition, because we've been focused on building out our subscription and loyalty program. And so that's taken a lot of our focus uh, this year. And so uh, we have amazing momentum now in that business and it's it's growing and growing every single day. But we had to decide, do we go and chase more uh, subscription customers uh, during you know holiday season or do we go higher average order value bundles and all of that? And you know, you look at the big department stores and they're really good at bundling. They're really good at putting together gift packages. You go to Sephora, Ulta, uh, anywhere pretty much during the holidays that is a, a retailer or a department store. So that's because people are gifting, people are buying multiple gifts and they're not necessarily, it's difficult to gift a subscription. We're launching uh, giftable subscriptions um, early next year so that you can gift. For example, uh, we just launched our electric toothbrush. And so you can gift this with a subscription for up to a year of replacement heads, kind of prepaid essentially. And then that person will take over if they decide to continue on uh, using the product. So uh, with that in mind, we decided to focus on higher average order value. And so uh, we're gonna be doing a lot of bundling um, 
We also started an early access to Black Friday. So people that are on our SMS list, uh, email list, um, uh, get special access to those Black Friday doorbusters. So they get a little bit of a head start. And because supply chain, um, you know, after the pandemic hit, we re- we have been struggling since in terms of supply chain. I'm saying uh, us as a community, as uh, e-commerce in general, the big guys, the small guys, uh, it's difficult. $26 billion of goods hanging out at the Los Angeles port. Um, so it's a real issue, which means that we're trying to forecast. We're reading, you know, every research report we can, trying our best, talking to everyone. Uh, about 25% of the U.S. Um, stimulus uh, money has not been spent yet. And the truth is the most powerful drug in the world is consumerism, especially in America, but anywhere. And so, you know, my guess is that people are longing for connection. People are wanting to obviously travel. If you've traveled any time in the last few weeks, I've been traveling nonstop. I'm finally on a break, but it's every airport is packed. Going to the airports are packed. I mean, everything's kind of crazy right now. People are doing some revenge spending, revenge travel, it's like uh, revenge weddings next year. Uh, 2022 is forecasted to be the biggest wedding season since 1984, uh, which is nuts. So, you know, it's crazy because the, the, that that business, that industry suffered. Obviously, the events industry suffered immensely during the pandemic. Uh, and now that the world's opening up, people are spending money. I mean, I looked at uh, my cruise line stock that I bought when the pandemic hit. It was so low, and now it's finally started to take a turn around because um, they're fully booking these cruise ships now again. So the world's changing. So we kind of took that macroeconomic kind of what it, for what it's worth. We're not a you know master economist or international economist, but we're looking at that macroeconomically and say, okay, people are one supply chains tight, so people are not going to have a hard time. They're going to have a harder time than ever to get the gifts that they're looking for. Not everybody is ready to travel. And even if you are ready and willing and able to travel, um, the flights are booking up so quickly and they're so expensive because of supply and demand that a lot of people are going to actually hang out at home again uh, instead of traveling, which means that they want to send a gift to their loved ones. So we're making it easy uh, with a quiz. We just launched our, fr- our first generation of this type of quiz. We've had a quiz since the beginning. but. This one is more of like a concierge where we're asking them, are you shopping for yourself? Are you shopping for a gift? Who is it for? Just a simple quiz that we're taking them through to help um, that shopper who's in a hurry. They want to know, is the product going to arrive by Christmas? What's the guarantee? I'll pay more if I have to. All the other stores are going to run out of inventory. So you don't have to discount that heavily this time around because there's going to be such a pull Uh, from the demand side. Having it is the discount. I've heard this from other people as well. Just having it in stock is the bonus. Number number one, I mean, that that was our number one initiative because we struggled with just-in-time inventory. We're almost always out of stock, essentially, uh, scaling the business. And now we have the systems in place, we have the software in place, and we have the people, most importantly, in place that um, can forecast out. And so what we did is we spent... uh, jaw-dropping amount of money on inventory, the most we've ever spent on inventory. Um, you know, we started that process, you know, months ago, but we're still finalizing that because we're, we've loaded up, we even um, uh, quadrupled the size of our warehouse. We also work with 
a 3PL partner for pretty much half of our shipments now. We, sh- we knew that, hey, if we got the goods and nobody else has goods, well, they're going to come and buy it. If you remember, if going to a store when the pandemic hit, everything was out of stock, like tomato sauce, garlic. I mean, you know, whatever you could think of was empty on the shelves because people were buying in hysteria. And so it's not going to be that it's not going to be to that effect. But my guess, our guess as a company and as a team, we say, let's do high average order value. Let's offer uh, buy now, pay later so that people can buy more gifts with less money up front. Instead of discounting heavily across the entire site, let's create bundles and added value so that people are getting a discount when they bundle. And the more they buy, the more they save. So, you know, we put together, for example, the ultimate uh, Christmas gift bundle, the ultimate daughter gift. You know, what does that bundle look like? And if you have a few products, you can put them together, you can stack them three, a three pack. Uh, the average family household is three and a half kids. Uh, and so three and a half, you know that people are willing to buy for more than themselves. They're probably gifting. So our strategy for Q4, we're going to lean into bundles. We're going to uh, lean into high average order value, up sales to sell them more gifts so they can cover more of the family gifts for themselves. We're pulling a bit back on our subscription focus in terms of it being on the forefront and uh, not kind of more in, in line suggesting that people buy gifts versus subscribe, which is fine. We're also looking at, from an SMS email channel, what are we doing to keep the excitement? Because there's so much going on during Black Friday and holiday and everyone's sending messages out. And so we want to keep, we want to stay top of mind. So we're right now crafting kind of the messaging that, uh, you know, are we going to do giveaways? So we do giveaways every single day during Cyber Week. And that's a reason to check the text to see if you won. So kind of figuring out some ways to have some engagement there so that we stand out um, and we stay top of mind. So that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, the main piece of the strategy from a marketing side, we're going to uh, double down. Um, You know, we're in retail, Bed Bath, uh, Walgreens, Best Buy, Target.com. So we're going to put some some serious muscle behind our retail partnerships. We're also making sure they have inventory. We're working with our affiliate partners, uh, some of them who generate millions of dollars uh, in sales during this period, making sure that they have everything that they need, the right images, the right copy, the right call out points based on what we know works. So right now we're looking at all of our own stuff. So email, SMS, our existing affiliate partners, what are we going to do to activate them as much as possible during the next 60 days? And then outside of that, what is our offer to pull people in? Why are they going to buy it? And so, you know, we're putting up different adages like the gift that keeps on giving. Every time they smile, they'll think of you, you know, things like that, that kind of lean into the effect of they're longing for connection. This is a gift that is really going to give a benefit to someone and make them feel better about themselves. So leaning into messaging in that direction. And then the last piece that we've had a lot of success with is doorbusters, even calling them doorbusters. It's just a verbiage that makes sense that's kind of drilled into everybody's mind. And we have special bundles that we've created. We just launched our black wireless uh, teeth whitening kit. We have our kids line, uh, bubblegum mouth rinse and a birthday cake toothpaste. And we've got a child's toothbrush. So we're creating bundles that are doorbusters 
um, that are super good value, limited, you know, only a thousand of these and a little ticker that's going to go down so that there's that excitement of like, I want to see what the doorbuster is. Oh, what's tomorrow's doorbuster? Uh, and, and it ends and it disappears. And so we're trying to mimic that experience that happens in store when you're going to buy a TV or something during Black Friday and you're camping out. We're also sending messages for people to load their carts. So load your carts, get it ready for Black Friday, sending emails, SMS, sneak peeks, previews, all of that stuff. And so uh, we had a good running start because October is our birthday month. So we run a month long promotion for our birthday that warms up the list uh, right before Black Friday. And next year we said, how do we have more Black Friday kind of activity, holiday activity? So we're going to introduce our semi-annual sale, which starts January, and then we'll have another one in summer. And Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, they really cemented that in people's mind that it's okay. It's actually exciting to have a semi-annual sale. And that's really good for your core customers who want to stock up, maybe want to try some of the new products at a good discount, things like that. So we're going to introduce semi-annual sale to see if we can bump our success in the beginning of the year. And then as well in the, in the summer, which is typically a bit slower. Smart. Now, you have been innovating on the um, influencer, though dark posting, the whitelisting side of things since the very beginning. I think it was three years ago you spoke at one of my events and you were you know really pioneering this then. And you've worked with some of the biggest influencers in the world. Uh, where are you at with your influencer marketing, dark posting, whitelisting approach? We use it a lot across Snow and, and all of our brands um, in different industries too. It, it works it works incredibly well because it's the promise of uh, that native advertising Taboola and Outbrain presented to the market of, hey, it's native advertising. People won't know that it's really an ad. So the engagement will be higher. The trust and the intent will be higher. And it works and it still works. It's, I mean, it's a phenomenal, beautiful platform. But in terms of that native feel is that people are banner blind. They have ad blockers on, they're banner blind. Nothing sells more like a third party referral, a warm you know, referral from someone who might even look like them or resemble a friend of theirs or kind of be in their age range. And so um, it's more important for us to showcase user generated content especially in the middle of the funnel where we spend most of our, I mean, we spend most of money at the top, but really the activities that are being done are in the middle. And at the top, you might have like a macro celebrity, you know, Kardashian or, you know, we're on the Ellen show or something like that. That's, uh, you know, at the very top, grab the attention. Oh, I recognize that. And then in the middle uh, where the meat is, so to speak, that is a compilation um, uh, in, a, in a sequence the way I explain it is, uh, or the way I think of it at least, is you drop a boulder into a lake and it creates a huge ripple effect. And then it's just there. And the trick is it's, it's actually more effective for you to drop a lot of pebbles throughout at different times. And it creates, you know, like this concentric circle across the entire lake. And you have, uh, those are micro-influencers. Those are your customers. Those are user-generated content. It's a much more relatable, it's closer to you. And, you know, the conversion rate is a lot higher in terms of um, generating sales, uh, you know, when you do it right, and it's hard to do it wrong. But the idea that, and what we're doing today is, we realized years ago when we were working with uh, our celebrity partners, the whole idea was like, wait a second, 
what if we ran ads to your page? We could just plug in our business manager. We take the content that you just made, run it uh, to your audience, but also our lookalike audiences and beyond that. Maybe that might convert higher. And sure enough, with Rob Gronkowski, he was one of the first ones that we tested it with. And we were running his content that he created for Snow from his page. And it was like, check out my company, Snow Teeth Whitening. And that uh, ad probably received 25, maybe 50 million uh, views. By now, we still have it running. And uh, that kind of approach was really fascinating because we realized that the fans were a lot more uh, engaging. It was like, oh, wait, what is what is he posting? What is this about? Wow, is this really his company? Let me check it out. I have questions. Thousands of comments. When we would run it from our page that said like, Gronk loves snow. You should love it too. It's like, cool. Like, of course, they're going to say that they're the best. It's the snow page. So you just generated content is a lot more scalable than the celebrity stuff because you get the dime a dozen. With user-generated content, we're working with a lot of times even our own customers and saying, hey, you know, could you create some content? Uh, you know, you love to go review, you love the products. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, I love the products. I'd love to share about it. Yep, just on your iPhone. It doesn't have to be a whole production. You don't have to do hair and makeup if you don't need to. Literally just on your iPhone, hold it up. And just in your own words, if you were to uh, tell someone about Snow, what would you tell them? Kind of just that candid view. And we started to take those videos um, that our customers would submit, and then we would uh, gain access to their page. So we would sort our customers. We still do this. We sort our customers by how many followers they have that's attached to their email. So their TikTok followers, their Instagram followers. So we can see this person, this customer has 25,000 TikTok followers. Let's follow up with them, see if they had a great experience with the, with the product. If they didn't, let's fix that. If they did, then let's ask them if they'd like to be an influencer of ours. And part of that is allowing us to run ads from their page with their content that they put together. And we use our ad account to amplify it. And we have these pebbles, so to speak, in the lake that span every age, uh, every ethnicity, every benefit factor, weddings. And, and these are real people telling their story and we amplify it. And people, a lot of times, don't even know it's an ad because it's it's just, it kind of stops you in your tracks. It's got that network effect. It's not so much of a wave as it is. I'm thinking of like the qu quantum slit experiment. It's like an interference pattern in a way too, because they're seeing it from multiple players, not just one big popular person. And they're seeing it potentially from multiple angles from different people as well. Well, yeah, I think about this. If I say, if I say Eric, you know what? You got to check out this Asian restaurant. It's the best. You go, really, man? Thanks. Yeah, I, I got to check that. I got to remember that. I'll write that down. And then you go to the gym and someone says, hey, by the way, have you ever checked out that new Asian restaurant? It's so good. I went yesterday. You go, huh? Okay. And then you go home and then your wife is like, hey, I got to show you this restaurant I really, really want to go to. And you're like, all right, we're going tonight. And so like that type of um, circular selling and have, it's like a jawbreaker, you know, and like you have, there are layers to it and there's a way to do it elegantly and it's not hard. It's not super complex. It's let me get one of my customers, tire store on an iPhone, uh, send that video in and run it from their page. It's a pattern interrupt because it's not a traditional ad 
It's literally someone on an iPhone. And some some of our um, customers create videos like they're crying, right? They're crying. And that first frame of the customer crying because they're so relieved and excited that they can smile on photos now, that story is so real and authentic and captivating and relatable. And so someone scrolling goes, oh, wait, this is interesting. And then what happens is people start to share it. They'll share it with someone who's embarrassed to smile on photos in their family, kind of privately, and be like, hey, check this out, you know, thinking of you. And so it becomes a shareable piece where if it was, you have yellow teeth, get whiter teeth, sharing that is not very, you know, from a brand, it's not a very natural type of conversation. And I would rather have a softer conversation because we want lifetime value. We want customers, as long as you have teeth, we want you to be using some of our products and hopefully they're good enough to stay in your bathroom forever. So that's, you know, that's our goal. So we're not trying to force sell anybody, but we are trying to relate with people. The last sort of tactical thing before we move on to some bigger strategic pieces uh, was the, the try before you buy approach that you're leveraging right now. We were just on the landing pages and we were seeing that you're actually doing an offer right now where you know people can enter their email address and actually be sent, uh, paying for shipping themselves, an actual uh, you know whitening wand where they can actually try before they buy. How the, how is that strategy working? Well, I went to this restaurant called Maple Nash and they have these metal straws or cocktail straws, but they're thick and they're nice. And it says on there, property of maple and ash or something like that. The thing is, everybody steals those straws and, and they know it and they want you to take them. And I went to um, Tao in Los Angeles, the restaurant, and they had, a, I don't know if it was their chopsticks, it was something. And they had the same thing. And I said, wait a second. They figured out, these are all these trendy top you know, steakhouses and restaurants. They figured out, they know people are going to steal it. But they're going to tell their friends where they stole it from. And now they feel like they owe the restaurant something for a 30 cent straw. And so, uh, you know, we're thinking about how do we have a free trial program without forcing people into billing? Like, that's just not what I want to do. That's not the business that we're in. We want people to willingly and want to be a part of what we're building. And so the Try before you buy, essentially, we do have a large segment of customers who will essentially game the system by getting the free uh, teeth whitening wand in their cart, down the paying shipping. And uh, I was talking to someone who had, who had worked with uh, Louis Vuitton at Hennessy, and I was asking about counterfeits. And I was like, what do you do with counterfeits? Counterfeit Louis Vuitton, counterfeit Dior, like, you know, how do you stop it? And like, what do you do? And this person told me, pretty straightforward. And I didn't expect this answer. It was like, there's a certain level of it that you have to accept first. And there's also a certain level of like warming up the sale because someone who buys a counterfeit um, Louis Vuitton purse knows that it's a counterfeit Louis Vuitton purse, gets complimented in the credit for having a, you know, quote unquote, authentic Louis Vuitton purse. So the delta inside the cognitive dissonance that that builds, it feeds the imposter syndrome. And then guess what happens when he or she has enough money or is willing to spend the money for the real deal in store, it's going to be a whole experience. And that customer is going to be loyal forever. It's kind of like they got to try if they get enough compliments with the bag, then it's like, okay, I'll buy the real thing because I want to have the real thing. And so that kind of self-consciousness 
And guilt is something that they actually, I don't know if they willingly leverage it, but it's an underbelly that kind of warms up the customer for the future because they're currently clearly not Louis Vuitton customers, but they want to be. They could buy a Louis Vuitton keychain, but they want the bag now. And so they're looking at it long term. And of course, they have they combat counterfeits as much as they can. So with Snow, we wanted a way for people to try the product because the product is that good now. You know, in the very beginning, it was pretty good. I mean, it started out pretty dang good. But today, it's phenomenal. I mean, I get every review that comes in from our website. And I have never seen more five-star reviews in our business as a percentage than today. And some of that's like network effects. Some of that's brand network effects and things like that. And we've gotten better at education and all this stuff. But um, it's crazy because we've modified the formula. We've modified the packaging, modified the application. We've gone to a point where the product is really good. We sell you know, millions of those a year. And so we have economies of scale. So we said, you know what? This is actually our best product. Why don't we give it out for free? Because if it's that good, they're going to come back for more. Put your money where your mouth is. Literally. For literally. <laughs> and how is it working? Like, what's the uptake like? And then what's the reorder rate like? Is it something that you're going to continue doing? Or are you still in the testing phase? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're going to probably... So what we're doing is you put your email in, you're getting one free gift with your order. Then we ask for your SMS, you're getting a, a, a higher value gift for your order. And so... We're getting email and SMS. Uh, today, an SMS subscriber is worth about 15 bucks to us. So just that subscriber alone. And so although they're just paying for shipping and a lot of them don't end up buying more, but believe it or not, 70, 80% of people end up buying much more than just a free, but it gets them excited. And they. what it also does is we had to figure out a way to, so the results are extraordinary. We are It acquires SMS subscribers like crazy. We have hundreds of thousands of SMS subscribers now. They're worth 15 bucks. It, uh, we're acquiring emails as well. That email flow is worth a lot of money. That data is worth a lot of money. Recurring uh, uh, subscriptions and all that stuff. And uh, most of the people will come back and end up buying either toothpaste or toothbrush because they're like, wow, I got away with just get, you know, I got, 30 bucks a product for five, six bucks or whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, I got one out on them. Well, we're putting the faith out there in our product um, that sometimes thousands of those a day that we're sending out. But we know that our product is good. And if you use it and, you know, if you drink like I drink soda, I drink coffee, like if you drink things, eventually your teeth are going to stain some more. And you're going to remember that, hey, we hooked you up. Remember it worked. Yep. Okay, well, here we are. And here's here's another special deal. Come back to us. But the, the stats have been extraordinary because it gives us the ability to compete against Amazon. It, it gives us the ability to compete against our retailers, not compete against, but have have a different value. Like the truth of the matter is Target.com is a phenomenal partner of ours, but they have a lot more benefits like as a customer, like, oh, I can get my dog food while I'm on the site. I can use my Target red card and get 20% off. I can use this gift card that I got for Christmas. I don't have that, you know? So as a retailer, as a shopkeeper, you're like, what can we do to have, like what's gonna be our kind of red card or something? And so having those freebies in the cart, we found that customers who wanna buy on Amazon just will go to Amazon. They wanna buy in Best Buy, they'll go and buy in Best Buy. 
but it's allowed us to capture a little bit more of the customer percentage as opposed to it leaking through all of the other websites you can buy our products on, which means that obviously we get to hold that data, we get to email, we get to SMS, we get to do all that stuff. So it is worth more for us. So yeah, it costs money to give out those products, but uh, the conversion rate is through the roof when someone's got free gifts in their cart and it's expiring, you know, they wanna complete their order. And so it really also helps promote the conversion rate. And you know the next the next topic I wanted to bring up was was iOS fourteen point five and the big the big initiative there is to own your data and so when you're offering something upfront of value you're going to get that data a lot easier and you're also talking about it being even more valuable over the long term because of the psychological things going on with the gift giving aspect of it but let's back up a little bit and talk about like what you know you're someone that is spending uh, an ungodly amount of uh, of money on Facebook ads. On a, on a monthly basis in order to continue growing the business. What impacts have you felt most from the iOS 14.5 and what are you doing to mitigate them? Well, it hit all of our brands too. And even in our powerhouse mastermind across thousands of members, it was, and we put a, we put a poll out for our group and it was over half that were, you know, materially affected by post iOS 14 and continue to be affected. And I, you know, if you Google Facebook earnings forecast, you know, you'll see right away they they're expecting their earnings to go up. And there's only one reason why: 40% CPM increase. That's it. Because as a social network, you either get more people, you can't get more people. They have all the billions of people already. You introduce more ad products. They're working on it. They're probably going to monetize WhatsApp with ads very soon. Uh, they bought Instagram, but they're running out of land. So do you get more advertisers? No, they're actually losing advertisers in a lot of segments. So you increase the price, increase the rent. So they increase the rent and they realize people are still willing to pay for it because the drug was so good of Facebook. Their algorithm was so good. The, the lookalike audience was so good uh, abilities. Um, so what it did, though, is it bred a a whole era of lazy entrepreneurs and it really would positively reinforce laziness in business. And I'm not talking about just laziness in terms of like busy work. I'm talking about laziness in terms of strategy, in terms of it paid people too well to do too little. And that reckoning was due to come. It happened with Google. You know, when I ran a solar energy business in 2007, 2008, we were buying clicks for 10 cents, 20 cents. Now you can't buy clicks for $30. So that's what happens. That's inflation on a marketplace that's ad driven. It happens every single time. So it was only a matter of time for it to happen in the Facebook ecosystem, but doesn't mean that it's completely over. I think that some people are in a position today where you've got it. The best thing to do is to sell your business or sell a piece of your business. And that's why we bought deal flow brokerage so that we could own a brokerage that was forward thinking to help entrepreneurs exit for the max amount possible, but also to think about, look, there's a lot of money on the sidelines. People are buying $3 million pictures of cats, you know, NFTs, like this, the money's changing hands like crazy. And some people, there was a bifurcation in terms of post IS 14. You were either really affected by it or you were semi affected, or in some cases, in some of my brands actually increased. And it kind of lessened the noise. And so when I look at it, this year we'll spend $75 million across uh, you know, my own brands. A lot of it on Facebook, Google, 20 plus channels, but most of it's Facebook and Google, just like everybody else. 
Uh, Amazon ads is starting to become a thing uh, that's that's significant because of the platform uh, and the intent. But I would say post iOS 14, what we've been doing to combat is we added uh, buy now, pay later options. Um, we had them early in the year. And at our highest days, up to 40% of our orders on our Shopify side of things are buy now, pay later, like Afterpay, Klarna, Sezzle, all those guys. So that's interesting because it allowed us to reach a broader addressable market who wouldn't otherwise be able to afford a $300 wireless kit, although that's what they want, but it's just not in their budget today. Well, you know, Klarna and these options, it allows us to become more accessible. And what we realized as a premium brand was that uh, how do we become more accessible? There are 7 billion people with teeth. Everybody wants snow. How do we become more accessible without disc, uh, discounting our brand and eroding our brand equity by doing that for a short-term gain, which is very addicting? Uh, we said, well, buy now, pay later, no fees, no interest to the customer, four payments. Okay, great. They pay us up front. Awesome. So they hedge all the risk. The customer gets the product next day and they got a payment plan and they, they're still covered with a money back guarantee or a satisfaction guarantee or whatever. So it allows us to show a price broken down into four payments versus showing a $300. $300 becomes, what is it, $75. So $75 today with free shipping, I'll give it a shot. And so that allowed us to um, do two things. One, become more accessible. Even for people who could afford it, I was reading um, a firm which went public. They published in their uh, documents to go public. They had a concentration of customer and Peloton was their number one customer. 28% of their revenue came from Peloton and a firm is the biggest in the world. And so I was like, wow, what are they doing? Well, sure enough, I look at their ad library and Facebook. They're not saying buy this $2,000 bike. They're saying $49 a month today, no interest, no whatever. That was shocking to me. The other huge benefit is that you're just, you're gonna increase conversions on the lower price and you get them in that moment, which is so important in the iOS 14.5 environment where the ability to retarget people smartly on any sort of window is kind of out the window. So you really gotta do everything you can to make that conversion when you have them on the site. Now I'll tell you the truth is like after post iOS 14, you gotta roll up your sleeves. We're hiring for our CRM department with Snow. Uh, and really putting an emphasis on data uh, analytics and lifetime value and, you know, and, and, and things that we normally could get away without having to do because we made money on the front end. We would not have to worry about it. Then, you know, we're going to double our business again this year. So we have phenomenal success and we're omni-channel now and we're in retail and all this stuff. So we're still from a D2C side and a Shopify side, heavily, heavily dependent on Facebook's ecosystem, Facebook and Instagram, just like a lot of brands. And so, you know, for us, we said, okay, hey, it affected us not as bad as others, but it still affected us. It affected our scalability, affected our profitability at scale. It changed some things for us, but it also forced us to think about other things. It forced us to say, wait, wait a second, you know, how do we pivot in terms of our strategy and not building on rented land where the landlord's going to abuse us you know, you have to build a rented land somewhere and it's okay to a certain extent, but like Facebook has become abusive and it wasn't necessarily entirely their fault in terms of what happened with iOS and it was Apple's choice, but it was their result that they were in charge of and they raised the prices because they're a public company. So, I, you know, it, I think a lot of people are 
like I said, a lot of people need to sell their business in the next six months. We'll help you do it at DealFlow, dealflowbrokerage.com. Otherwise, I would say you need to look at how do you either acquire your weaknesses, how do you build around your weaknesses, and then on your website, are you doing email, SMS, do you have subscription? Can you take your top selling product and invent a virtual subscription, sell access, sell to the something, right? Like what can you do to stand out? And in today's world, uh, online and e-commerce, your product has to be differentiated. It could be with through design, it could be through functionality, it could be something. Too many people got by with two or three products on their Shopify site, ads were crushing it, three, four X ROAS, amazing. And then all of a sudden things start going down. And instead of taking that money, building banking relationships with your local banks so you can get lines of credit, figuring out your access to capital instead of buying Rolexes and Lambos, which I get it, I've done it, I still do it. But like, instead of doing that, what you should be doing or what you should have been doing, whatever the case, is you should be building your moat. You should be taking that money and invest it in your business so you pay no taxes. Take that money and go and invest it like I did with Snow from the very beginning, little by little by little, more UGC, more celebrity, more retail placement, more the, just whatever I could do, team, right? Hiring a better team uh, versus trying to be cheap and trying to get this and this and this, and I can get 10 people over here. You want skilled mindset. And the reason why Snow has 40 people, 45 people today, we're really working with 300 people. We work with agencies, consultants. I mean, we have a web of experts in every single area. And we know that we don't know what we don't know. We're very, very, very humble. That's the number one thing is no ego in the organization. We're here to learn. We're here to, to gain mastery. Snow is our vehicle. What is our purpose? So it's very clear. But from a post iOS 14 world, the truth is you have to fill more holes in the bucket because you can't get away with just turning on the faucet full blast. You got to fill some of those holes. You got to Figure out how are we doing lifetime value? Do we have subscription? What does that mean for us? Are we doing affiliate marketing? Who's ranking on Google on SEO that we can partner with to sell the products for us? Like, what are you doing in that scenario? Otherwise, if it's not something you're passionate about, you're burnt out, whatever, it's also okay to say, hey, let me take a million bucks off the table, take a month vacation, let me reset, and then let me come back into it because the world has changed. A pandemic happens once every hundred years. And uh, change equals opportunity. Luck equals preparedness meets opportunity. We have the opportunity right now. There are going to be, just like if you look at the Forbes list, there, there are people in the top 25 and they're all tech, people that this was not possible even 30, 40 years ago. So think about now, there are NFT billionaires. That's a thing. Like, I don't know what it means, but it's a thing. So I would definitely look at it that way from a post iOS 14 world is you have to it's survival the fittest, the prices went up. So you either need to figure out a cheaper platform like Snapchat, TikTok, SEO, something else. Or if you're gonna compete on the Facebook marketplace, you need to increase your average order value, do more upsells, offer subscriptions, increase your product selection. You can't get away with just two or three products anymore. Use an app like getcaro.com where you can sell other people's products instantly on your website. So you get that average order value bump. You need to sell more because you're paying the price for that click went up, but you're not doing what Starbucks did. Starbucks started with coffee and then they bought Boulangerie Bakery in San Francisco. And now you can spend, I spend $30 sometimes for breakfast 
at Starbucks. That was not possible before. So if you, if the price is going up over here and your average order value is stagnant um, or dropping or not even really going up uh, and you have no subscription, no lifetime value, email, SMS is weak, your mousetrap is not strong enough to convert the higher cost that it's going to cost you to acquire customers in this new age, so to speak, unless you switch the platform that you're focused on, like TikTok, where you can get super cheap CPMs, but understand that the intent is not the same. So having this, someone says, I got a million followers on TikTok, I always divide it by at least three, if not by four. So I'm like, okay, so you have 200,000 Instagram followers. Okay, that gives me a gauge in the simulation we live in, in terms of what that means in terms of the value of that audience. So it all it's all dependent, right? Google has the highest quality intent traffic, Amazon does as well, but ranking number one for teeth whitening on Google organically is so difficult, but there's a lot of money to be made in those other channels. It's time for us as Facebook marketers to realize that we're not just Facebook marketers, we're not just e-com Shopify people, we are modern, business men and women and we must adapt if you don't adapt you die you have to stay relevant and post ios 14 okay well guess what figure out there's opportunity post ios 14 software post ios 14 uh the app hyros they've never seen the growth like they've seen in, since ios 14 because they're in the right place at the right time they're selling uh fear and they're selling a shovel so they're it you know they're right there in front of the gold mine so there's opportunities, but as an entrepreneur, you got to take a step back and say, hey, is this the life I want to live? I'm the entrepreneur. I'm building this thing. Is it serving me? Is it giving me joy? Is it giving me peace? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Who's going to pay for this thing? And if it's not doing that, it's a deep thought, but it's something that I realize mentoring thousands of entrepreneurs that it's the hardest thing to let go. And let go means sell it or hand it off sell to your employees, or go the other route and start going after your competitors and see if you can partner with them. But it's going to be very difficult if you think Facebook, it's not 2014, it's not even 2020 anymore. It is extremely difficult. And sending clicks from a okay ad to a product page on Shopify and getting mad why it's not converting it's, uh, you can't get away with that anymore. No, you can't. What I wanted to ask you, you know, we, you talked about your mousetrap and I know you've been building your mousetrap in multi dimensions across multiple axes for years now. And I'm wondering if you, if you were to start all over again, how, how would you build a mousetrap differently? What, what would you be thinking about if you were to rebuild snow again now? You know, we have an insurance product that we're launching for dental plans and dental insurance and, you know, insurance companies, just from the public valuations of insurance companies and the steadiness of business, you know, it's one of the principles that I've learned and I repeat to myself and I share with everyone is never work for the same dollar twice. It's a very, very difficult discipline principle, but you want to be John Paul DeJoria from Patron Tequila and uh, Paul Mitchell. He says, you don't want to be in the order business. You want to be in the reorder business because it's so difficult and you will always lose to people who are in the reorder business. It's just difficult to beat those guys unless they're heavily funded and losing money and can do that. So I think that if I were rebuilding snow today, I would have partnered with an insurance company from the very beginning and started to offer um, insurance plans for people who uh, needed extra coverage 
because dental insurance uh, in the U.S. it just it isn't great. Uh, it's pretty much like a savings account, but you kind of have to have it. it. Comes with your job usually, but no one ever talks about their dental insurance. Like it's never a dude. You gotta get this new dental insurance. I got it's so freaking awesome. Nope. Have you seen dental insurance uh, Facebook ads? Nope. Not really. Not in terms of a brand brand, especially not the big guys because they don't have to market for their customers. They make billions of dollars a year because they have infrastructure advantage. They have a network effect because they've just been there for so long. You know, I chose oral care because it was it was probably the most difficult market, but also most relatable to me in terms of my interest level because I was going through jaw surgery and it was scalable enough because my goal was I want to have a brand that we can spend $100 million a year on media investments because I want buying power uh, because buying power means that I can have a lot of really good friends that are really awesome and I have a reason to be at the table. And so that was the whole idea. But with Snow, I think that one would have launched with a lot more products, even if that meant partnering with my competition. I don't see competition, but I see collaboration. I've learned that now. Such a difficult thing to learn because I didn't grow up with money. You kind of grew up with the scarcity mindset. Even if you grew up with money, things go up, things go down in business. So it just creates this kind of fight or flight. And I think that I would have had more products. So we had over 40 million people shop on the website. And for years, it was really just teeth whitening. And that's it, like teeth whitening kit, teeth whitening refills, and some lip care. But imagine if we had 80 products on there in different categories. Um, and so, you know, I, I definitely would have done that. I, I would say I would have started our SMS efforts a lot earlier. We work really closely with PostScript and, you know, we make over a million dollars a month uh, texting our customers now and it's growing and growing and growing. Uh, and it's great. It's a great way to get feedback instantly from customers. Hey, I didn't receive it. Can you help me out? Or, hey, how do I use this thing? It's awesome. We have live reps texting them back. It's amazing. So I would have started text messaging two years earlier than I started it. Uh, or we started as a company across all the brands, um, I would have leaned into Amazon or I would lean into Amazon a lot more heavily. Amazon, Instacart, GoPuff. I would reach out on LinkedIn, get involved with these people to understand, hey, they're raising a lot of money. They're raising, they're, they're generating all these users who are there to buy stuff. How can I get in front of these people? Um, like Afterpay just launched an ads platform, Afterpay Ads. And we've been working with them for years now, and we're really excited because we would love to get in front of those buyers because we know that they have high intent. And so things like that, I would I would look at, and the other thing I would look at is media. I would look at owning the media. So I would go, I would have some type of dental insurance partnership. I would have some type of, um, we just launched a find a dentist network to help people. Every six months, we need a cleaning, help people find a dentist so that we can have a closer relationship with the dentists who carry our products, for example. Should have launched that a long time ago. It's just a page on our website. We get so much traffic, why not have it on there? Same thing with the dental insurance. So um, those things I would have had, I would have had more products. I would have, um, oh, media. I would have invested more. I would invest more in SEO, you know, organic side of Google. Nothing beats it. It's the best traffic in the world. And I would have also found people who have that media already that rank on Google and made them an irresistible offer for us to partner together. And I would have invested some cash flow 
from Snow into that media site to hire a bigger SEO team, more content team, more PR team, and kind of have a hub of media so that we could command it. There's a company called Red Ventures in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, they own sites like HigherEducation.com, which has like OnlineSchools.com, and they do lead generation for education. But Red Ventures Group is a multi-billion-dollar private company in Atlanta, and they're actually uh, they're one of the top media publications in aggregate, but they own websites like homesecurityreviews.com and they they rank on all these sites and they bought most of their portfolio. They bought them from SEO guys that figured it out. They were affiliates making $10 million a year off of homesecurity.com. And uh, they have a thousand plus employees, call centers. And I studied their model because it's fascinating because they have this high lifetime value product, home security. They've got a call center to do the work in between. And instead of going and figuring out SEO, they were door knockers in the beginning. And they used that money to buy the sites they were already generating, you know, 2 million visitors a month for online schooling.com. Get your degree online. But because they had a closer connection and more scale, they could get double the payout at the very minimum. So immediately they could arbitrage that. And now they own that property. The more properties they own, the more they can share the content teams, the SEO teams. And so they chose um, telecommunications as their main thing in home security. Huge billion-dollar successful story. And they acquired those things. They acquired the media. And so I think if I was starting snow all over again, I would think about the greater scope of things. Our customers are actually anti-aging skincare customers. So who are the top beauty publications? What are the top beauty forums? What are the top beauty Instagram pages, meme pages? How do I get these guys in a circle and say, okay, how can we dominate the authority in this space and not have to pay Facebook for every single sale where we can really write our own destiny? We could be more picky with our Facebook traffic and really dive deeper into other sources of stuff. And the last thing I would say is more PR. I think that people in general, and I'm speaking for our community, my community, is, and especially the internet marketer community, because that's where I was you know, born essentially 15 years ago. But it's a difficult concept. A couple things. One, raising money. It scares a lot of people. A lot of people have done it. But especially in our space, in terms of internet marketers, then digital marketers and all the performance and affiliates and, and bootstrappers, affiliates, yeah, affiliates dropshippers, uh, bootstrappers. And I'm the same way. I'm like a wild, I'm like a wild west, a modern wild west entrepreneur here in Arizona, but I I'm a very traditional style bootstrapper, but it's like other people's money. It's like leverage is the best thing on earth. If you, if you have a good mousetrap, if you have a good way the average hedge fund, I looked at the report recently, 8.6% or something like that. So you billionaires are giving these hedge funds $100 million to manage, and they're making 8.6%. So it's like, if you can have, if you could create a, a model, an opportunity that could potentially make more than 8% a year, and then you go networking, go on meetups.com and meet with people, find people on forums, whatever, that have more money than you, convince them that this is the better mousetrap for them to put their money in, and then wow them and over deliver on your first one. And then the word starts to spread that, wow, Josh has opportunities where he makes everybody money. And like, wow, everybody does well and everybody loves it. I want to be in his deal. 
And then they start to come to me and say, hey, Josh, I got a special deal, you know, and I got one spot left and I want you to have it because I appreciate what you did there. And so now the deal flow just starts to come to me. But you have to you have to play chess, not checkers. You have to you have to from a fundraising standpoint, that's what keeps a lot of e-commerce businesses too small. They have too few products. They should have 10 times the products. They should not be shipping stuff themselves. They should not, you know, all this stuff that we get bogged down when we're running the business in the business that an outsider sees so clearly. And it's like, dang, you're making five million a year off of that website. Like it doesn't even have upsells. It doesn't have a subscription. You're like, oh my gosh. But it's because people are so stuck in working in the business. And so I would say fundraising is, is, a, is a huge element. And then press, uh, real press, like hiring an actual PR company that is good. There are a lot of them. Look, find one in your industry. Get re- references. Talk to them on the phone. But be like, hey, how many publications can you get me in? What does it take to get to the big ones? What's the plan going to be like? Because being able to attract better team members, being able to attract better investors, being able to attract retailers, being in Snow's been in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Marie Claire, WebMD, Allen's show, uh, Kelly Clarkson's show, and goes on and on and on. Not only is that good marketing collateral and it's good authority building, but it's also a bartering asset to show off the brand equity. And it's like, a, it's, a, it's a flex. And it allows you that you could send that to potential investors, send that to potential uh, retailers, wholesalers, people you want to hire. You send that around and that collateral carries a lot of weight and it's very persuasive. It's intoxicating and people can't help it. Like when we were on the Allen show for the first time with snow, I never had so many calls in my life blow up my phone, which was amazing. And people were like, quote unquote, you made it now. Right. And it's like, you know, Across our brands, we do hundreds of millions of dollars a year. We've been on all these shows. We've done all this stuff. Dr. Oz, the doctors, all this stuff. But it was it was Alan, particularly, that for some reason in my friend group was like, that was a signal that you made it. And it's like- But you, you had know, more ad impressions that day on your ads than got seen by that, you know, 10 times. Right. And it, it, was, it was a validation. It's like when people see a billboard, like, you know, when we started doing retail- uh, you, know, I met with someone and they were like, Hey, you know, I've saw your ads for two years. You know, I have an ad in my car. I even joined your email list. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But until you were at blank, I didn't buy it. But when you were, I bought three of them. I was like, Oh, well, thanks man. That's good feedback. And so that's the idea of omni channels that people don't want to buy on your website. Like they'd rather not. So like you, it's more important to think about other channels that already have network effects like Amazon. My buddy AJ just sold his uh, Zesty Paws brand. He's got multiple brands for $610 million. It's an Amazon first um, pet supplement brand, Zesty Paws, the best. And he sold that thing for $600 million. And he's got a few more. He owns High Key, which is the top keto brand, number one in every category on Amazon. That thing's going to be a billion plus. And he's got the model, but he focused on Amazon where I kind of neglected Amazon because I was like, we don't own the data. We can't remarket to them. Who cares about the data if you're only paying 15% for that sale to Jeff Bezos? And if you can figure out how to rank organically, over 50% of e-commerce searches start and end on Amazon today. They're not going to Google. They're not going to Facebook. They're going to Amazon app and they're not leaving. So I would rather, if I was starting Snow Over, think about who has what we need, 
How can we create a win-win? So Instacart, how can we get on Instacart? How can we do Instacart ads? GoPuff, does that make sense? How do we do GoPuff ads? Afterpay ads, how do we get on Afterpay? Uh, Teeth.com or whatever, they get a million people a month through SEO. How can I work with them? So I would look at media because I feel like that is the common denominator is that if media prices go up, cost to acquire customer, and you don't have a, st- a sticky enough loyal base, you're going to run out of steam. Okay, so just before you run, I know we're running out of time here, but you you mentioned Powerhouse. Uh, you mentioned it was deal flow. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the mousetrap on the other side of the business. We've talked a lot about you know building the best mousetrap you can for customer acquisition. Uh, what kind of mousetrap is going on on the Powerhouse brand side? So I'd wanted to teach like this for a long time, but I was afraid of that guru label, which is like connotatively kind of bad, right? It's like, oh, that's a guru. Because unfortunately with social media, you never know what's real. You never know. Like, it's just, I get it. So for me, that imp- it was a little bit of imposter syndrome of like, well, I've got to get to 100 million first, so I've got to get to 200 million, or I've got to get to 10 million, or whatever it was, and I just kept upping that number because I was probably scared. I was operating from fear. So, you know, um, I you know met Lo Silva years ago, and he reached out to me about a year ago. We just finished our, our first full year, and said, you know, hey man, this is something that I want to do, and I was like, that sounds like something I want to do. And I said, my number one thing is no ego allowed. We're not doing this to make money. We should not do it to make money. So that should be like a rule. And it should be essentially invite only in terms of we're going to really screen people. We're going to start with e-commerce, get people's attention with e-commerce. And that's what we do. But it's really business and it's really wealth and it's really exiting your business and it's really rolling up your competitors so that you can take it public, you know, whatever you want. But what we realized with Powerhouse, so we we launched Powerhouse, Powerhouse Brands, and we filled up pretty quickly because we found out that the tonality of just who we are was something that resonated with a lot of people. And I think that after the pandemic hit, yes, people are like wanting connection, but they're also a lot more picky with the connection that they want now. Before it was like, I've got 100 friends. We're all going to the bar tonight. Now it's like, do I really want to leave my nice new couch I bought because I was quarantined and my new TV I bought because I was quarantined? So you got your home set up, all set up now. And you're like, nah, bro, like how long do you want to go out? Uh, I don't think so. So people are a lot more picky. So we said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it for ourselves and we'll see if anybody listens and anybody wants to do it. I'm not filming videos in my Ferrari. I'm not filming videos. Like I'm not doing any of that because I just don't want people to misconstrue. I already, because I'm young, I have a look of, of already of that. So I'm like, I don't want, because that's not who I am. But that was my rule. And Los is like 100%. He goes, let's see what happens. So we pretty much filled up our first year. We did three, three main events. And uh, it was absolutely like, transformational the the first event that we had you know um people were coming in doing anywhere between 1 million to 200 million and it was all around the world all around industries but we found common denominators across all the businesses and so the the mousetrap or the web on the powerhouse side is how can we the common denominator by the way came down to time so we said let's dedicate the rest of our education teaching what we're doing, uh, actually doing, 
because that's the purest way for people to be like, okay, he's walking the walk. He's actually doing it. He's showing us. That's what I've been doing as Josh Snow. It's like, let's do it. And let's buy deal flow. So we acquired deal flow, the brokerage. I've been a huge fan of their business since they started it. Uh, and, and, you know, the founders are incredible. And we said, look, we, we need an, a, a vehicle to help our uh, mastermind members and our greater members, which are down the thousands, um, who are e-commerce, SaaS, um, but there was a residential cleaning uh, business, uh, brother and sister, uh, that are in our, our mastermind, and we were talking with them, and so they want to uh, potentially roll up, you know, 10, 20 different residential cleaning things, and then perhaps sell it at that point or sell a piece of it to private equity. So uh, they're already a top 1% in the country. So we got to play in that world. So what we realize and what the real web is on that side in a nutshell is time, the American dream that we kind of idolize across the world, it's really around freedom. It's not around money. Money gives you options, convenience, and the freedom of options, the freedom to do what you want to do. But a lot of times it corrupts people and it's this elusive thought. So what we what we switched our curriculum toward and our speakers and everything is around wealth creation, wealth preservation, how to go through door number one or door number two. Door number one is work with the deal flow brokerage. We'll put you on a silver platter over the next between three to 12 months, depending on how much kind of uh, fixing up your business might need in terms of, and it's not even fixing up, but optimizations, uh, because we know the buyer on the other side and we know what they're going to poke holes in. So why wouldn't we add SMS for a few months and let that be there so you can get an extra $500,000 in your pocket? So we have the resources with DealFlow and Powerhouse to be able to actually do that with our members, with our clients, take them through that process, and then sell the business a piece of it, 10% of it, 80% of it, to private equity, family office, a competitor. So we do that work to help the entrepreneur exit with millions of dollars, potentially, sometimes more, sometimes less, whatever it is. But then all of a sudden, they're not working 18 hours a day. They're not stressed out. They're not fighting with their wife. They're able to go see their kid's game every single game. They can go on vacation, find it. They've been talking about forever. They can buy the car that they've been talking about, the house they've been talking about. They can become an investor. They may never have to work again in their life. You know, it changes in an instant and it's a process. And it's the word for me is agency. I always think it's freedom, but it's 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 more than free because freedom implies like you might do nothing. But agency is to me is this idea of like your ability to enact your will on the world in a way. And I feel like that's what that's at the that's at the heart of entrepreneurship for me in some ways. I think you're 100 percent right. And it's it's like, you know, we're talking to one of our um, one of our members, and he's got a very successful um, multi million dollar apparel business. His number one concern right now is his wife and his kids. And it's like, here's the deal, man. Like you've done, you built a great business. This is something that someone else can take, and you can still own sixty percent of it, forty percent of it, twenty percent of it, ten percent of it, whatever. But put some cash in your pocket. Take home that cash, and you pay capital gains instead of income tax on it, so it's less taxes. You've owned it, so sell a piece of it or all of it, and then come back to the racetrack three months later. Dude, nobody's leaving. There are only going to be more opportunities. Just come back when you've taken your vacation, you bought your dream home for your family, put a hundred thousand away for each kid that they can't touch it, let it grow, good. Come back and operate from abundance because you can only build one of those businesses. Like for Snow, 
snow in many ways is me building snow in many ways is selfish when compared to the amount of entrepreneurs I'm able to help through powerhouse. But because I did it on an open forum and it led to powerhouse, it is more selfless and it kind of eases my mind, but I can only build one snow in you know, every five to 10 years versus I can invest in a thousand of them. I can help a thousand of them create a thousand jobs each. That's a million jobs. So like the multiplier effect is different. So the web is how do we help you either sell your business for maximum possible? There's never been a better time or two, how do we help you roll up your competitors, buy out your competitors, buy the media and not even use your own money, teach you about other people's money. How do we do that so that you can roll up your weaknesses, acquire your weaknesses? Oh, we're not good on SEO. Buy that one, buy that one and buy that one. Okay. Now we're the best at SEO. What's next? TikTok, okay, buy that TikTok brand. I just saw they're crushing it. Let's aqua hire their team. So that's maybe a 12 to 24 month process. So that's a little bit longer. That's door number two. So it just depends what you want as an entrepreneur. Why did you build this business? Because I want to buy my mom a house. Okay, sell a chunk of it right now. Buy your mom a house, buy yourself a house, and then come back with abundance and take this company public if you want. So like that is kind of my message over the next probably 12 to 18 months is going to be around having that real conversation with what do you want? And this is versus someone like a, a Thrasio or something where that would be like, okay, we're going to buy your business and you exit. Like there's not door number one, door number two in that situation. How, how does what you're trying to build differ from some of the other roll up players that, that we're seeing out there? So we're launching a, a product as a we bought DealFlow before we launched Seller's Market. And Seller's Market is if you own a business, any business, SaaS, offline, dry cleaning, whatever, you own a business and you want to find out your seller score, it's like a credit score, but it tells you how um, your grade essentially based on your industry, the likelihood you are able to sell your business, color coded based on multiple. So it's fun. Uh, it's easy. It's gamified. But you take a quiz. 60 seconds, maybe it's two minutes. So two minutes is going to take for the quiz. Click, click, click. You answer a few questions. It's all anonymous, discreet. So what we're doing is we're taking that information. We know we have the valuation models from all of our partners like Thrasio on the back end. So we take that information and we tell you, okay, here's how much Thrasio would pay. Here's how much Foundry would pay. Here's how much Berlin Brands would pay. So we are the comparison engine in between because of our relationships with these with these companies. It's easy for them to share their valuation model with us because we're helping them source deals, but we're putting a blinder on so that we can be a true middleman in the sense of, hey, man, I wouldn't sell a Thrasio yet. I would actually maybe take some working capital beef up your inventory, let Q4 hit based on what we're seeing. This is free advice. This is what we recommend. And I bet you Thrasio will pay an extra 400000 Okay, sounds good. And then we have our deal flow brokerage, which for people who are ready to sell and want representation by a professional broker from us, then you can one click, we'll set up a call and you're with one of our best brokers. We'll take you through that process and maybe even talk through the idea through live chat. Again, anonymous, discreet, nobody knows it. And so that is a layer ahead because what's happening right now is if you sell pens on Amazon, making $2 million a year, you know, run it at home, whatever, you get an email from Thrasio or one of their competitors and they say, hey, you know, open store, hey, we want to buy your business. You're like, wow, is this spam or like, 
is this real? And then you respond like, oh, I'm not really interested in selling, but I, you know, if you have an offer, let me know or whatever. Hey, let's hop on a call. You hop on a call. It's a one-to-one. It's like going to the use a car dealership and the best guy on the lot. That guy sells cars all day. You buy a car once every three years. So you're at an unfair advantage. And so unfortunately, you're not going to go shop around. You don't even know where to go. So before you sell your life's work or a piece of it to a Thrazi or one of the many's, come to seller's market or to deal full of brokerage and let's make sure that you're getting the absolute most money. How are you presenting the business? We might need to put a little lipstick on it. You know, we might need to put a presentation to show what the mousetrap really is in your business and why it's scalable. Uh, maybe you shouldn't sell a Thrazi, you should sell to a strategic competitor. What's that process like for, for an entrepreneur who bootstrapped something, never raised capital, you know, just did it. There's, there's not that level of there's, there are business brokers. All right. We're going to flip over some rocks and kind of see what we can, you know, put together. There are the big guys, which are really good. A lot of them are really good, but for the big people in the middle, I built a SaaS app. It's making a hundred thousand MRR. You know, I'd like to cash out at this point. I want to see what it's worth, but no commitment. So that's the difference is that we're, we're centering ourselves in the middle with our unfair competitive advantages of relationships to actually make them compete against each other, essentially for those businesses. And that's kind of what's differentiating us. I like it. And the way you described it too, the way you stay in the environment makes sense. Like if you sell to Thrasio, great, you, you've sold to Thrasio. Now you maybe go start another business. But being involved in in your meta play here, you join a, uh, a league of extraordinary gentlemen uh, and you sell part of your business and you work on how to maximize that value. And then you come back and you're still in this community, which I come back to again and again as one of the main things that I, I love about this space. And I, I can tell from the way you talk about it and from our experiences traveling around the world and and, and helping people that uh, that the community aspect is such a big component of what makes this industry great. Yeah, I mean, it's the community is super important and the lives change the most for an entrepreneur, their life materially changes and their their mindset materially changes when there is an an exit event of some sort, some type of liquidation event, because it could mean simply that you're no longer operating from scarcity because you're like, okay, I've got whatever, 500,000, you know, in savings, like I'm good. I feel good for a while, whatever it is, whatever number that is. But, you know, what I realized was that in our, in, in our community, People were like, I want to sell for 1 million, 10 million, or 100 million, or billion. They're like, whatever. So it was base 10. And I'm like, operating in a base 10 kind of mindset. And it the things that you think and things that you watch, things you listen to, super important because your brain's a computer and brains get viruses. They need antivirus. They need software updates. But what I realized was that a lot of entrepreneurs were running $5 million a year profit companies but because they had to get that $100 million number, and I go, 10 million, 100 million, there's 90 million in between. What's wrong with 48 million? What's wrong with 69 million? What's wrong with 12.5 million? I mean, these are all great numbers, and they would allow you to do what you, you're telling me you wanna do. I wanna travel, I wanna travel with my family, I wanna buy my mom a house, I wanna never have to worry about money again, I wanna be able to, to give and start a nonprofit. You can do that right now. Like literally, well, give us a few months, but like you could do that next year instead of 10 years from now because people are stuck on this idea of like 100 million, 100 million. There's 90 million in between there. 
You put $10 million in S&P 500, and that's a million dollars a year, and you never have to work again. So it's like, you could do that right now and then come back to the river and say, you know, now I want to do more or in the same business, sell 60% of it, sell 80% of it, sell 20% of it, and then use that investor's money to go and acquire your competitors because you know where they're at. And then you can sell that thing for even more. And that 20% is going to be worth more than the 80% you got up front. But it's all about timing. You want that 100 million. But in reality, if you had 1 million, it would get you the 100 million way faster because it's an abundant set of thinking. And a lot of people are stuck in scarcity because it's like, I got to keep hustling. I got to keep persevering. I can't give it's our identity in a lot of ways too, right? The grind is part of your huge, identity. Huge. And we glorify it. I mean, we glorify it. And for me, like I'm, I like to be on phone. I like to be on phone calls, zoom calls, uh, for work. That's usually what I'm doing. I'm in meetings, boardrooms, zoom calls. Otherwise I'm thinking I'm reading, I'm researching articles. I'm laid up, staying up at night, obsessed over M&As or roll-ups or yep. reading the D2C newsletter, reading the D2C newsletter. Every, every, absolutely. Every time. And you know, it's like, that's what I'm doing is I'm catching up and I'm feeding my brain at night. And it's super important that everybody listen to this, do an audit of what you're listening to. Like, are you listening to people that are, how long have they been successful? You know, like, that's why I like to study dead people because you can see their entire life. Like, once someone passes and there's there's something written about it, sometimes bad stuff comes up, sometimes good stuff comes up, whatever. But you can kind of get an idea of that whole kind of story. And those stories create synapses in your mind where when you're solving problems, when you're doubting yourself or things like that, look at who you're listening to. And I started listening to Richard Branson, John Paul DeJoria. Um, you know, Richard Branson kite surfs every morning. Uh, hangs out, has people come to his island because he's got the best mouse trap. He bought an island and, you know, he gets to hang out there all day. And like, that is what you should be striving for. You should be striving to make enough money to hire people to do all of your work better than you could do it so that you could kite surf every morning. That should be the dream. The problem is consumerism's the biggest drug. So it's like, I need the new Ferrari. Well, I need a bigger house. Well, I need the bigger plan. I need a bigger private jet. I need a bigger yacht. And this consumerism cycle drives people crazy and you have to secure the bag first. If you secure the bag, even if it's a hundred thousand, but whatever that number is, that's going to allow you to chill out and be like, okay, I can pay rent for five years. Even if I just watch Netflix all day, then you're like, okay, now what do I want to do? I've got five years kind of secured. What do I want to do? Do something like that. Even if that means building an agency, so you get cash flow while you're building your other thing, but the rules have changed a bit. And thanks to the internet and all the tools available, you can build a billion dollar business from home with just freelancers. I mean, just that's literally the world we live in today. It's happening every day now. So change the idea of the old way of entrepreneurship and say, what do I want? What do I want out of this business three years from now? I want to have a great team. I want to be able to give a hundred thousand a year to charity for through the business. Uh, I, what are those kind of ideas? And what do you want? I want to go to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I want to keep Tuesday, Thursday for me and the kids. And I want to not work on weekends. And I want to turn my phone off after 5 p.m. every day. Write those rules out. And it's funny, just like time, if you give something an hour, it'll suck up that hour. If you manifest that, and this isn't like a spiritual talk, it's just like actually program your brain 
to be like, no, it's 5 p.m. Phone off, right? It's true. I, I wrote some, I wrote some, it's funny. I wrote, it was funny. I was at Affiliate World in Bangkok uh, three years ago and I was with a, a coworker who was talking about all this manifesting stuff and was like, literally, you know, you say you want to have a podcast, write it down, write it down that you want to be a professional podcaster. And I did it in a, in a hotel room in Bangkok. I wrote it down on, and I still have it on a, you know, on a piece of, of, of paper there. And I think back, like, why am I not writing things down every day? Cause you know, this happened and, uh, and it's not woo woo. It's real. I was, I was speaking to a high school class and they, one of the kids goes, I want to make a lot of money. How do I make a lot of money? And I said, uh, well, one, patience. And two, what do you want the money for? Because that's more important than the money. What are you going to do with it when you get it all? Um, I give you $5 million. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. Then why do you want it? I just want to have it. Well, that sounds greedy. Figure out what you want to do with it. Okay. And then step three the truth is you got to read about money. You got to watch shows that are about money. Watch Billions, watch Mad Men, watch all these, watch Shark Tank, watch The Profit, watch all this business television. You need to read it. You need to hang out with friends. And if you don't have any friends that want to talk about business, then go on YouTube, go on live chats and whatever, um, go to meetups, whatever. And what I told this uh, high school kid is I said, you have to become obsessed about what you want. And if you become obsessed about it, you read about it, you talk about it, you, you tell people like what I'm doing now, what I've found podcasting to be valuable in many ways for me and is that it allows me to manifest and account and have accountability on a public forum. And what happens is that people listen to the podcast and they, they I tell them where I want to be two years from now. And people start sending me resources. They go, hey, you're looking for access to capital. I know one of the best private equity guys. He, he could fund this whole roll-up thing that you're talking about. Um, oh, I got this guy. I got this. People want to help. And I'm the same way. I listen to a podcast. I'm like, oh, I got I to hit him up. I got you, bro. In, in, in case you need any help, here it is. So I put it out there. And it somehow comes true most of the time. And sometimes it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. And sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's better. But I do think that Whatever it is, if you vision board or you write it down or you think about it, what I do is I tell everybody what I'm thinking and where my head is and where it's going. And enough people kind of send in notes and send ideas in and even just getting it off my chest. And then I sleep on it and I go, yeah, that is the right strategy. And that momentum, that focus, if you are focused on community, for example, and that's all you read, that's all you talk about, that's the only shows you watch about you're going to attract people. You're certainly going to repel people that aren't interested in it because you're going to be a nerd for three months like me talking about all this stuff. So people that are interested, though, start to contribute. And they're like, hey, I've actually been reading about that too. Did you check this out? Oh, yeah, you got to talk to my friend. Oh, yeah, let's have coffee. Oh, yeah. And it starts to spread. That's how it works. The problem is, one, we don't think big enough generally. So we spread small ideas and small ideas don't compound as fast as big ideas. They don't collect enough people because there are not enough opportunities for other people to make money with you. So you have to have enough seats at the table in order to have a big enough you know, dinner and uh, feast. So you need a big turkey. So you need lots of turkeys. So it's very important thinking about that. And that's one thing I've learned is that the better storyteller I am, the more people will listen to me. First of all, and want to listen to me. And the more that I follow through on my word, the more trust people will have in me and they will also share. And the more people that I make money along with me, the more uh, salespeople essentially I have, right? Friends and partners and investors 
but they're salespeople. Josh, Josh is great, man. Like I made a lot of money with Josh. Like every deal I'm with on him pretty much has made money and it's pretty awesome. You sold a lot of event tickets for me, I think. Well, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Super, super exciting here. If, if people want to, you know, bring you into their journey in some ways, whether it's through powerhouse, uh, whether it's through knowing more about snow, how do you suggest people get in touch with you these days? So, um, powerhouse brands, mostly Instagram. So Instagram, actually, if you go to Josh Snow on Instagram, I have the stuff in my bio. I've got powerhouse brands in there. I've got snow at snow on Instagram at Josh Snow for me is, is probably the best place to go because it's got powerhouse in there. And I'm constantly sharing memes, but also things that I'm doing and events that we have coming up and stuff like that. And then as a final thing, is there anything, it's funny, we, I, I like to manifest on this podcast. I've, there's been a couple uh, big things that have happened from the podcast, big clients that have come in. Is there anything on this podcast that you'd like to try to manifest that you're trying to achieve in your life? Oh, yeah, that's okay. Thank you. I, I would say um, I would say if you, if you have a business and you're interested in potentially selling it or door number two, rolling up businesses so that you could sell it for even more and you're willing to kind of go through the longer route, um, dealflowbrokerage.com fill out the contact form talk to us that's 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 one area uh, so on the deal flow side if you're interested in selling business and i would say from a overall entrepreneurial side what we're doing what we're doing i mentioned it but what we're doing at powerhouse is we're evolving our education on youtube it's all free youtube powerhouse brands all of the information is out there for free but i would say if you're someone who's running a business and you're interested in selling or interested in going door number two, Dealflow Brokerage is a good spot, whether it's SaaS, e-commerce, whatever. The bigger the business, the better, but really it's around profitability. So if you got a profitable business that you've been working on, there's age in there, we can at least see what people might be willing to pay for a piece of it or you know, a lot of it. It's a lot more fun to win with a lot of people. And I found that the more that I share, the more that I receive in terms of sharing knowledge, sharing insights, because things are changing so quickly that there's no reason for me to hoard any information. It expires, you know, so a lot of it expires, it changes, it evolves. So I've been pushing and kind of motivating other entrepreneurs and other uh, business leaders, community leaders to share more stuff behind the scenes and like, and what you know, what you're doing, doubling down on the community and the DTC and the access to resources, the access to information, the access to case studies, the access to all that stuff, um, network uh, networking events, networking opportunities. That is definitely the future. Uh, the future is in uh, specific communities. Uh, this whole metaverse, whatever, it's true. We're in it. We spend over fifty percent of our time on mobile devices already. We're so this already in the metaverse. That's a good point. <laughs> I like that. We're in it. Nice, man. Okay, well, we're going to come back. It's funny. I have a conversation this week with someone on Web3. Uh, once I learn a little bit more about Web3, tokenizing things, maybe we can come back because that's another whole dimension of value add that I think people can be thinking about in their careers and in their businesses. But let's yeah. leave it at there for now. Awesome. Uh, Josh, this was epic. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks, Eric. You're the man. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.